Good morning. Welcome to our services uh, today. We have been blessed to hear from Mark uh, today about the process that we're going through, and I'm excited about the future. And I want to pray for that really quick before we get started. Uh, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for giving us uh, the people over at IMP helping us transition. Uh, Lord, I just want to continually pray, and not only pray with our words, but just continually serve this church and just say, what can we do right now to better our future? And what can we do now to better you know, our impact in the community? And uh, eventually what we're going to do with a new preaching minister. Uh, God, help us to pave the way so that we can continue to grow as a church, just in spirit, and uh, continue to, to serve our community here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we get started, um, I had a hard week, as many of you did. It's a little overwhelming. Uh, there's not really words to say. There's a lot of feelings. Uh, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of outrage. One of the worst parts about it for me, as I've been, as I poured over just the different articles that took place at the Capitol this this week, was that I was a little bit unsurprised. It's a little unsettling right now. I'm, I'm feeling those same emotions as I speak. But this is not the kingdom that we are wanting to serve. This is not the kingdom that we are emulating as followers of Jesus. And I want to just take a moment and, and not dismiss those feelings because they're real. But I want to say that we are coming together this morning to worship a God that transcends everything that we experienced this week. And again, I'm not saying that to dismiss your feelings because I want you at this very moment to bring those feelings to this worship today. Bring those feelings before God as we sit and as we hear from his word and say, God, please take these feelings, take these anxieties, take these fearful thoughts that I might be having and please speak into them. Humans are not doing a very good job right now. And... I, this morning I wanted to, and it's, it's, I was planning this sermon before the events of the Capitol took place, but I think right now we need Luke chapter 8 more than ever. We need peaceful presence in our lives right now. A peaceful presence that no man can give us, no woman can give us. The peaceful, peaceful presence that only Jesus Christ can give us. I'm going to read from Luke 8, verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. So the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. So I bring up this text in the idea of peaceful presence. And before we get into that, I have to ask the question, why does this text even matter? I mean, obviously it matters because we're reading about it, and Jesus, you know, did something within it. But why have this even listed? It's kind of in the middle of something. He goes through all these different teachings, and then he has this experience where he, he comes into contact with the, with the legion, the, the man that's filled with many demons, right? 
And so it's kind of like this, you know, prelude to this later uh, miracle that he's going to do. But it's kind of weird. It's very short. But something I think very important happens, and it tells us a lot about who Jesus is. But just to walk through it, Jesus says very little, okay? And obviously, his actions say a lot of words. Uh, but he says less than 20 words here as it's, as it's recorded in Luke, right? Not much is even being spoken by Jesus. He says, let us go, other, go over to the other side of the lake. And then later he says, where is your faith? But he begins by saying, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Of course, as they're on their way in transit, a storm happens. And it seems that this is something that might take place. Steve has talked about this, right, in, in a few of his sermons where the water over there in the Mediterranean can get pretty rough pretty quick. And something like that takes place. But what's weird about it is that Jesus says, this is the perfect time for me to take a nap, okay, in the middle of a storm. And it seems that the storm is so bad that even his disciples are freaking out. And you have to remember, who are these disciples? Well, these men have probably spent a lot of time on boats, right? They're fishermen. A lot of them are. And the storm has gotten to the point where they even think, if we don't do something quick, we are going to die. They probably have been doing stuff, right? They're frantically, I don't know if they actually do this, but take buckets and, and throw water overboard, but right back into the sea or back, in, back into whatever body of water they're on. And uh, it seems that they are in fear for their lives, even though they are familiar with the water. They're familiar with being on a boat, but yet Jesus still decides, hey, this is the best time for me to take a quick nap. So Jesus gets up after he's rudely awakened. He goes out, maybe he says no words to them, but he gets above deck or wherever he is and says, you know, stop or whatever he says, right? He doesn't say, it doesn't say right here, but he tells the storm to stop and it stops, it obeys. And then he turns around to his disciples and says, where is your faith? And the disciples' response to everything that just took place is fear. And they ask the question, who is this? And they say, he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Kind of a strange story. But I, I don't want you to see this story as just another miracle of Jesus, right? It, it is interesting. It's very supernatural that he's able to talk to water, right? And he's able to tell a storm to stop and it obeys. But what I think Jesus' frustration he's feeling here is, is not that he was awoken up. Maybe he's a little frustrated by that. But he's frustrated that the people that he's most closely related to, the people that he's most spending most of his time with, still do not understand who he is. They, stu they still do not understand that when he says, let us go to the other side of the lake, he means that they're going to get to the other side of the lake. He said, we're going to get in this boat, we're going to go from point A to point B, and point B is going to happen. He says, let us go to the other side. And the disciples forget, and I, and I don't blame them, I'm not placing the blame to say, oh, well Jesus said we we're going to the other side, we should listen. But it seems there's much more compounded into this, into this feeling. That Jesus has expressed to them that he has a goal. He has a trajectory. He's not done with his ministry. He's just starting. But they think that this tiny storm is going to thwart his plan of, 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 of continuing on God's call for his life. Jesus is thinking, I told you we were going to the other side. Why didn't you believe me? 
And we're gonna have that experience throughout, and this is just a minor, minor detail along the road, but he has these different experiences. Think about when Peter, he says, hey, like, you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter says, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that. And he's like, yes, you are. And eventually he says, you know, I prove, you know, you proved me right. You did deny me three times. Jesus is denied all throughout his ministry. He's, he's neglected, he's overlooked, he's misunderstood throughout his entire ministry. And here again is another example of saying, guys, I said we were gonna make it to the other side and you didn't have the faith to think that we were going to make it. And I think this is a story about Jesus' peaceful, peaceful presence. Because Jesus wants to be understood this way. He wants to be understood as a peaceful presence. Not only can he make a, make a storm calm, but he has the ability to calm people. He has the ability to speak calm peacefulness into people's lives. And what I think we can take away from this is that the supernatural thing that he does here is not just the storm, but the supernatural activity that he does throughout his entire ministry is that he is a consistent, peaceful presence in the lives of other people. A consistent, peaceful presence in the lives of other people. And the reason why that is so supernatural is that very few people have the ability to do this today. You might be thinking of someone, maybe you have met someone who is a peaceful presence, that whenever you are around them, you feel at peace. Maybe it was a counselor or a teacher or a coach, whoever it was, what feeling are you feeling right now as you think of them? And like I said, very few people, I think, have this ability. I think Jesus's ability to be a peaceful presence was, you know, times infinity or whatever you might want to say. But we know some people like this. What about them makes them peaceful? As we look at Luke chapter 8, the, the thing that I'm taking away from this is two things about Jesus' peaceful presence. Jesus always offers security. He offers just an air that everything's going to be okay. People would come to him asking to be healed and he would heal them. People would come to them asking for questions about life, and he would answer them. And it wasn't always the answer they wanted to hear. But they felt safe enough to come to him and be in his presence. That idea of just being safe. You know, I think of, of kids, right? I think of my kids, right? When they're scared at night, they run into our room, and they'll wake me up. They might freak me out a little bit because there's like a face right next to my face. Um, but they run to me because they had a bad dream. And I'll, I'll walk with them, or if it, Jay's a little too big now, but I'll pick up Madeline and I'll bring her to her room. And they're safe. And I didn't do anything. I didn't, you know, go into their dream and fix everything. I just brought them back to their bed, you know, gave them a hug and said goodnight. But you know the feeling that I'm expressing, that feeling of saying, I am safe. That is what Jesus is doing here. And he's frustrated because he wants the disciples to know and to feel this as well, that when you are in the presence of Jesus, you are going to be safe while he is there. Yes, the, the, the disciples experience a lot of unsafe things later, but they are not unsafe at this moment because they are in the presence of Jesus. 
And you could even argue, now that I just said that, you could even argue that even when the disciples were being martyred or when any of the martyrs you know, met their end of, of their life, they were still in the presence of Jesus and they still felt safe even though their life was ending. Jesus offers his peaceful presence by being a secure person, a place of safety and a place of comfort. So security, the peaceful presence of Jesus. The second thing that I think about is dependability. And these things, too, these, these things go hand in hand. You feel safe with someone when you can count on that person. When you can rely on them to come through for you. When they are always there. When you don't have to double, triple check that they remember that thing that you were supposed to do for them. <clears throat> that is a dependable person. You feel safe because you know that person is going to show up. And Jesus here is saying, don't you know that I'm going to show up for you every single time? I'm going to go to bat for you every single time. Where is your faith? You were supposed to be my closest group of friends, but you still don't understand. How is the world going to understand that when you're in my presence, you are safe. You can depend on me. I am peace. And I've said before um, that when we speak and when we listen to other people, that is a way that we can be like Jesus. I think we can live into this truth as well. It's not easy. And it's not something that you just do one day. It's a lifetime of practicing how to be a peaceful presence in the life of others. Of course, it, it, it deals with a lot of listening. But you have to be a safe person. You have to be a safe place where when someone comes to talk to, excuse me, when someone comes to talk to you, they know that that conversation is going to stay with you. Or you know that if they, if they come to you with an issue, you're not just going to try to fix it immediately, but you're going to listen to them and hear what they have to say. Be a safe person to speak with and to be with. And on top of that, not only be a safe person, but a dependable person. Show up, be there, do the things that you say you're going to do. Dependable. These two attributes are overlooked because we look at this, this story and we say, oh, Jesus calmed a storm. That's awesome. And it is awesome. But what Jesus is trying to show us is saying, I am a safe and dependable friend, one, but I'm a safe and, de and de dependable savior. No matter what you're going through, I can be the peaceful presence that you need in your life and we desperately need this right now. We desperately need a peaceful presence because every time we look to a man for a peaceful presence, you know, it's, it's gonna, sometimes it's going to be okay. Like I said, we have those people in our lives that can be that for us. But if we put our full trust and full reliance on that peaceful presence, we're going to be disappointed. If we do not have Jesus as the ultimate peaceful presence in our lives. So we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we be peaceful presence in this world. Peaceful presences. That's a, I'm not sure if that's a word. Uh, a peaceful presence in this world. I pray that your anger that you're feeling this, this week, your sadness that you're feeling this week, I'm praying for you. If you need direct prayers about this, if you need just to talk to someone, if you just need to vent to someone, there are several people here at the church that are willing to listen, I, myself included.
We need to be a church that journeys together. We need to be a church filled with people who are peaceful presences in this world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for his peaceful presence. God, help us to emulate this in our lives. Help us to be a peaceful presence in this world that is full of chaos and fear and worry, and especially this week. God, this is tragic and embarrassing. Help us to take these feelings, help us to take these to you, and to go into the world and say, I am a peaceful presence. Help us to live this message today. In Jesus' name, amen.